Hey everybody, welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron, Shannon is not here, and Sean is not here, but instead we have... (laughs) Matthew Sutherland, also (laughs) known as Dad and Granddad. Yes, Dad is here. He's back. Thanks, Dad, for joining. So it's funny. Shannon actually is in my neck of the woods, but she's at Disneyland, so she's got more important things than recording a podcast. She's probably in Star Wars land geeking out right now or something. And then Sean is still uh, on his little break. Sean, again, we wish you all the best. But yeah, Dad is here, and we'll get to the topic in just a minute, which I think was was just perfect for for Dad to be with us for. But uh, before I get to that, I do have a couple of emails I want to read. The first one is from friend of the show, Catherine. Uh, Catherine, always good to hear from you. She wrote in about her favorite TV shows for young kids. She actually, she texted me and said, hey, I wrote my email before I finished listening to the episode, so I might have got ahead of myself. (laughs) So anyway, it's all good. (laughs) But she says, hi, favorite show friends. Listening to your show today brought up lots of good memories. When I think of my favorite shows I watched as a kid, the two obvious ones that pop up are Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. A favorite show of mine that a lot of people don't know about, though, is Today's Special, which I did talk about at the end of the end of the episode. It was an import from Canada and aired on Nickelodeon in the 80s. It takes place in a department store after hours. When an employee, Jody, arrives, she turns one of the mannequins named Jeff into a real person by putting on his magic hat. I forgot about the magic hat. I forgot to mention that. Uh, and the little mouse named Muffy says the magic words, Hocus Pocus Alamogocus. Uh, and also the night security guard named Sam. Uh, the night guard and the mouse were both puppets. A lot of good memories of that show. She says, and then for the slightly older kids, I really enjoyed two PBS shows called 321 Contact and Square One. 321 Contact explains science in a kid-friendly way, and Square One made learning math fun for kids. I could have used that one. I'm bad at math. <laughs> My favorite segment in that show was MathNet, which was like Dragnet, but solving math problems. And then she immediately followed up with a quick other email and said, I can't believe I forgot reading Rainbow. I loved that show growing up. LeVar Burton was the perfect host. So warm and welcoming. Thanks, Catherine. So thanks, Catherine. Thanks for emailing in. We all, it's always nice to hear from you. And, and I'm glad I, 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 I had a feeling when I pulled today's special out of the hat that I was really reaching because I <laughs> think even Shannon and Shaw were both like, what? I've never heard of this. So I'm glad, glad you knew what I was talking about. Uh, and then Elise Tolman emailed in, uh, Alex's mom. She had said, as you could probably tell, I binge listened to your show. Recently, I was listening to your show, and it took me from one to the next, and I thought I was caught up, but then it took me to a show I had not finished yet, which was clear back in 2022, the episode of Movies You Might Not Have Seen. I had a couple of comments on that. Uh, I've seen Lorna Dune, Saints and Soldiers, Master and Commander, Lars and the Real Girl, and That Thing You Do. I liked them all. I haven't seen Cats Don't Dance, but I did look it up, and it's on Amazon Prime, Vudu, Google Play, and Apple TV. Maybe because you talked about it, enough people looked it up, and they thought it would be worth the offer. Such a good job. <laughs> Thank you. I will just take you at your word and think that's what happened. <laughs> Love that. But yeah, Cats <laughs> Don't Dance is such a good movie. It's really, really good. A couple of mine that you might not have seen, Duets is one of my favorites. It only got 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I love it so much that I watch it at least once a year. It's a road trip comedy about six different strangers from all walks of life who have one thing in common, a passion for karaoke. It features Gwyneth Paltrow, Huey Lewis, Paul Giamatti, uh, Maria Bello, Andrea, Andrea Broder, I hope I'm saying these names right, and Scott Speedman. Plus, there are some cameo moments with Angie Dickinson, John Panette, and Michael Buble. You should check it out. The other one I'll mention is About Time. It stars Rachel McAdams, Domino Gleason, Bill Bill Nye? I I'm so sorry. I don't know these. I don't know a lot of these names. Margaret Robbie, uh, Lydia Wilson, Tom Hollander, Vanessa Kirby. It's a quirky movie about time travel and family relationships. I think it's adorable. 
There's a scene with the main character and his father that always makes me cry. It came out in 2013 and got 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's another one I try to watch often. Uh, by the way, I'd love to see Killer in the Orchards, so bring it to Christmas if you can, Shannon. Thanks for the show, guys. <laughs> I love it. So, Shannon, that's your that's your task. You gotta you gotta bring Killer in the Orchard for for the holiday, so you guys can watch it. <laughs> oh, and then she and then Elise also had a quick follow up email about listening to our children's show episode. Uh, said uh, definitely brought back a lot of memories listening to that episode. Mister Rogers and Sesame Street uh, started when I was three or four years old. I can remember watching them for the first time, and I remember how much I liked them. My older sisters were four and six years old, so they made fun of me for watching those baby shows. <laughs> <laughs> They're not baby shows. I watch them. I would watch them today. Not right. baby shows. <laughs> Another one I remember liking was Electric Company. Had a very upbeat music at the beginning, and I can still hear it in my head. Shannon mentioned SpongeBob. I watched SpongeBob a lot during the year after my husband died. It helped to lighten things up a little. Alex's younger brother Elijah loved the kids' show Phineas and Ferb. We forgot. Fin- uh, did either of us mention Phineas and Ferb? That's a great show. Uh, he would always watch that show when I was out of town because he was scared to be alone. Thanks again for the show, Elise. Elise, thanks for writing in. Yeah, I totally. I think I totally. We all space Phineas and Ferb. That show's great. It is good. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's all the emails. That's all the updates I had. Uh, Dad, was there anything you wanted to? talk about before we jump into this week's topic so what was the movie category that uh, they were commenting on it was movies you might not have heard of oh we had a movie topic and we thought movies that we really enjoy that weren't necessarily like big (laughs) hits you know big blockbuster ones and one like we said one of the ones we talked about was cats don't dance which was uh, i think a great movie but flopped at the box office the iron giant which is one of my top 10 movies of all time but again was not a a huge you know money maker at the box office so there were a few others we we mentioned but yeah that was that was that topic the movies you might not have heard of (laughs) one of my guilty pleasures i i don't think it was successful was secondhand lions oh yeah that was a good uh, one boy seeing two great actors in their older <laughs> in their o- older moments, acting old, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. storyline, and uh, a young Haley, Haley Joel Osment, yeah, Joel, yeah, and that was just, uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. I'm like, why aren't people loving this show? It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember really enjoying that movie. In fact, I'm pu- I'm pulling it up right now. So it was it was uh, yeah, Robert Duvall and Michael Caine and Haley oh, Joel Osment. It was a that was a great movie. Yeah, and even the supporting cast, the others in the movie, I can't think of how to remember how to say her name. I think she's married to the guy that everyone does the six degrees from Kevin Bacon. Oh, yes. (laughs) She's married to Kevin Bacon. She is so good in that thing. It's just unbelievable. If you know her name, shout it out because she deserves. I don't have it in my head. Yeah, I'll the, whoever's if you if you're listening and you know, write in, Catherine. Help yeah, us. Please do. <laughs> that's what you get for having an old man on the podcast. Oh, uh, that's if, funny. <laughs> as far as kids shows, Schoolhouse Rock. Oh yeah, something else. That one, you know, stopped young and old alike. Uh, an electric company, I'm glad that was mentioned because, you know, that's Morgan Freeman's start right there. Well, was it so, really? Okay. I think so. So, uh, just, and of course, Sesame Street was just, they had characters that taught so much. When I was playing guitar a lot, I actually sang a couple of songs from Sesame Street. So, oh, cool. it's not easy being green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway all righty well yeah those were great comments from people writing in yeah i love it thanks everybody i appreciate it 
Uh, I guess with all that out of the way, though, we can jump into this week's topic, uh, which is our, we were up for a music topic, and so this week we're talking about our favorite country artists, uh, and by extension, uh, folk and some of that other stuff, but this was this was part of the reason I, I invited our dad to join us, because I like country music, and our dad likes country music, and I don't know that anybody else in our family likes country music. <laughs> so, so when I realized it was just the two of us, I was like, well, this, this might be our chance to talk about it, so. <laughs> yeah, your mom, when she married me i think she thought she was going to get away from country music because that's all her mom and dad listened to but huge disappointment to her was that she walked into a marriage filled with country music (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny i love it oh yeah well so i pulled up uh, on wikipedia the entry for country music as a genre and I, I actually learned a lot. This is very interesting. So country, uh, sometimes called country western, is a music genre originating in the southern and southwestern United States. It first was produced in the 1920s by this name. Country music focuses primarily on working class Americans and blue collar life. And there's a whole listing here of, of subgenres and uh, derivative forms and whatnot. And it talks all about the influence in country from all of this Americana and folk music and by extension from that bluegrass. That's one of the defining characteristics of country music, uh, aside from the topic, is the instruments uh, the instruments that are used to do it. You know, whereas rock music is primarily drums, guitar, bass, in a lot of mainstream country music, that is the same, uh, but most country songs also feature banjo, fiddle, mandolin, pedal steel guitar, uh, instruments like that, that you don't necessarily see as often in pop and rock music. There's all sorts of uh, influences that are uh, listed in this, this article, talking about a American folk music, Appalachian music, or Appalachian, however you pronounce it. Uh, lots of influences from African-American, Mexican, Irish, and even Hawaiian music. And of course, the blues are, are a common theme in there as well. Uh, the term country music gained popularity in the 1940s in preference to what it was called before, which was hillbilly music. <laughs> I did not know that was just what everybody called it before the 40s. Wikipedia does say in 2009 in the United States, country music was the most listened to in rush hour radio genre during the evening commute. And second most popular in the morning. So apparently people wanted something else for their morning commute. But driving home, they wanted their country music. So anyway, I remember listening to a a decent amount of of country music. Dad, you always had such a a wide range of of, uh, musical interests. And so I feel like growing up, you know, especially like, you know, Saturday morning when we were doing chores and you would crank up the tunes and, and it was, there was a wide range of stuff. I feel like we got, you know, a lot of different genres, but there was definitely some, you know, country stuff mixed in there. Uh, I remember, you know, Alan Jackson being played a, a bit and, uh, uh, definitely some Vince Gill and, and, you know, bands that I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call them country, but like we've talked about the Eagles a bit on this, on this podcast and they definitely are, they're a rock band. But there's a lot of country influence in their music as well. So we definitely we definitely heard a lot growing up. And, and uh, of course, I've talked on the podcast a little bit about when I lived in North Carolina and uh, my love of folk music and bluegrass music. And so that kind of lends itself to also enjoying the country music as well. You know, uh, I remember buying my first iPod and uh, they were so expensive uh, at that time for me. And, uh, you know, I'd go in and out of the store. <laughs> I wondered what the salespeople thought because I'd look <laughs> at them. I would feel my face get hot and sweaty. <laughs> and then I'd leave and then I'd go in. Uh, but I was so happy I got that iPod because we could put all the genres on there, and including uh, new music that you guys were discovering. But, yes, all of 
I've always had a hard time just going with a particular uh, brand of music, if you will. I try to listen to it all. But I will say, you know, I'm old enough that I remember uh, my granddad and a few others would refer to, uh, it never was country music to them. It was country and Western or simply country Western music. And a few of them would uh, use the term hillbilly once in a while. So, uh hmm. You know, our Sutherland origins out of Scotland into North Carolina, Virginia, they just, hillbilly music was everything. And uh, I'll, I'll bring it up when I bring up some of my favorites. But uh, interestingly to me, there's folk music and country and Western music very blurred together. Uh, they're both about storytelling. Folk music's really interesting because it came from the idea of just regular folks uh, creating music in their homes and in their their towns, and no one created sheet music, etc. for it. It was just learned and passed on within family and that. And I feel a country western was just the same until yeah. I think it was the Grand Old Opry or, or a couple of others that started playing it on the radio and then Chicago picked it up and I mean it just spread across the country not by record sales but by radio play so yeah both your mom and I grew up on it and I I loved it your your mom your poor mom I've I've hauled her off to like Merle Haggard concert and, <laughs> and everything she uh but guess what at the passing of her mom and dad uh hasn't been that long ago she has liked cranking on the music that they would put on and and the playlist we create there so anyway it's something else i will add country western music they had instruments that the rock and roll and and jazz and blues weren't playing and the one i think of which is my all-time favorite instrument i think you know what i'm gonna say here it's the mandolin I mean, mm -hmm. I can listen to mandolin play all day long, and I would love to incorporate it in every song that we ever record, Aaron. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it is interesting, though, talking about the, the instruments, again, like saying that country is one of these genres that uses these folk instruments that other, other genres don't utilize as much, and the whole point you were saying about this folk music these instruments banjo and mandolin and the violin you know fiddle the way that's the way it's used in in a folk music setting they came straight from these immigrants that came here from ireland and scotland the banjo is very common in irish music the mandolin is very common there there are other forms of it like the cittern and things like that that are that are very similar to what we know of you know banjo mandolin uh violin but it's it's kind of curious to see the similarities between a you know a scotch Scottish or an Irish jig or a, a Scottish folk song and an American bluegrass tune or an Americana tune because that's just where that music morphed and evolved from is from those those jigs and those folk songs and whatever the immigrants that came here and then writing about their life here with those same instruments or with evolved versions of those instruments and now those being used with a lot of the other instruments that you find in rock with electric guitars and drums and bass and stuff combining that into what we now know as country and it's just it's really I, I think it's very fascinating seeing the evolution of music of 
the influences from different things, the instruments from different places that all come together to create a specific genre that, that now, you know, you hear on the radio and you hear like, oh, that's country, but like, how did we get there? And it's, I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, the whole story I learned about a mandolin from my dad, uh, he, when he was growing up and lived in Blythe, California, he wanted to join the orchestra and he was quite a singer. And uh, so my granddad, his dad, ordered an instrument through the Sears and Roebuck catalog back then. Guess what instrument it was? The mandolin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and so he took it to school and, uh, you know, the, the teacher wasn't very kind, as the story goes. And uh, a lot of his classmates uh, poked a lot of fun. And so he took it home and never picked it up. And never played it, but he, uh, he always continued to play the guitar. And, uh, you know, and so when that mandolin became available, I grabbed it with the idea that one of my children might pick it up. And boy, you did, and you ran with it. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's how I first <laughs> learned about, you know, things like a mandolin and a banjo and stuff. I remember finding that mandolin in, downstairs because it was around the time that I was, I, I had seen it downstairs for for you know, ever since I was little, but I remember when I was getting into music and learning to play the guitar was one of the first ones I learned. And then I was in band at school playing trumpet and tuba and stuff. But while I was getting into that and I was, that was just like my hobby. When I I wasn't playing games or riding my bike, I was learning instruments and just playing music. And I remember pulling that out and being like, what is this? Like it's, it's, too small to be a guitar. It's not, I don't think it's a ukulele. Like, what is this? And, and, and you told me it was a mandolin and I started looking up online and I feel like we got some like, you know, chord chart books or something and, and started learning. And, uh, yeah, we still have that little mandolin. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the finish on it, the paint is all, all chipped and old because it, it's been around for what, probably a hundred years or so, hasn't it at this point? So it's a, it's a real good old instrument. Yes. That's a, that's, that's where it started. That's where that mandolin started with our family. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So where do you want to start? Do you want to talk folk music? You want to talk country? Do you want to just blend them together as we go? doesn't matter to me. We can kind of go wherever you want. Do you want to jump in first? Or do you want me to start with, start off with somebody? Well, how about I start with the folk since folk music was big on the scene as uh, a young child, I mean, it was over the radio and played on 45s and uh, albums in my home constantly. And uh, when you chose this subject, I realized that all of my musical roots began in folk. And I grew up listening to such artists as the Kingston Trio, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Marty Robbins, Merle Haggard, all these people uh that blended country and western and folk and uh it was just it's just fun and uh, i pretty much trace all of my go-to music today back to my love of folk and country uh the first song i learned on a guitar was tom dooley by the kingston trio and here i am a fourth grader i think with a four-string guitar because my hands weren't big enough to wrap around a regular guitar and here I am as a fourth grader singing, hang down your head, Tom Dooley, hang down your head and cry, hang down your head, Tom Dooley, poor boy, you're bound to die. <laughs> I'm a fourth grader. <laughs> There's more, Eric. This time tomorrow, reckon where I'll be. 
Down in some lonesome valley, hanging from a white oak tree. Oh boy, now, hang down. Anyway, oh boy. <laughs> and I'm guessing I learned the song for two reasons, right? It's a, it's a folk song. It was all over our house, and it had two chords. <laughs> and oh yeah. A, yeah. I used an A and a D, and uh, and I could play it. And then from there, it went to Where Have All the Flowers Gone. Pete Seeger's hit song uh, covered both by the Kingston Trio and Peter, Paul, and Mary. And uh, that way I could practice four chords. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only later in life, junior high to high school, that I, I just followed my dad around as we went to family gatherings and stuff. And he, uh, he was singing uh, lots of Elvis, but most of the Elvis was the country-flavored Elvis. And then a lot of Merle Haggard. With songs like Lonesome Fugitive, Daddy Frank, Mama Tried. We had a family reunion in New Mexico. I, I was in grade school, and they had hired a professional band to play uh, this big dance one night. And I'm sitting there. Someone had whispered that uh, your granddad was a really good singer and could play the guitar. So they invited him up into the band. And, uh, yeah, I was just witnessing Elvis Presley right before my eyes, but it was my dad you know, and I was just mesmerized. And then after a couple songs, he took a break. Well, they kept playing. I walked up, grabbed my dad's guitar and walked over and just started strumming. No chords at all. I'm just banging on the guitar (laughs) (laughs) while the band is playing. And so anyway, that led to my first ever venture into uh, playing a guitar. And and it was, again, country music uh, with a folk bass so anyway uh what were your favorite uh folk songs and, and artists Aaron? so i yeah when i was writing up my list i did separate them kind of into there's the mainstream country people that i'll get i'll get to in a little bit and then there are the <laughs> more like bluegrass folk uh groups and and i should say real quick uh we're gonna have a playlist for this uh, uh like we've done with all of our other music topics even though shannon's not here i'm gonna beg her to make the playlist <laughs> we'll all send her stuff so of course if, if she's, she's hearing it now then it's too late but we, we we will have it it'll be ready by the time you're listening to this now <laughs> but one of my favorite bluegrass bands of all time is actually a group that i have not been able to find any of their music online streaming anywhere and it's a group called the lone mountain band and I saw them perform. I first learned about them when I was living in North Carolina. And I might, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast, but it bears repeating. When I was living in a little town called Murphy, North Carolina, it's a, right at the tip of North Carolina, kind of on the border of Tennessee and Georgia, right where the right where the states meet there. And I was living in this tiny little town called Murphy, and it was just so beautiful. It was right in the heart of the, the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Appalachia, you know, area, and uh, just a beautiful little town. And a few miles south of the town, right next to the border of Georgia, in a little town called Brasstown, was the John Campbell Folk School. And this was a school that catered to what they kind of called the old world arts. And it, the campus was just all these like, it was like barns and these like farmhouse type of type of homes that were all in this little campus in this beautiful hillside. And they taught things like blacksmithing and luthier work and broom making and quilt making and, and all of these, you know, le- leather work, all of these like amazing old world arts. And it's still there. You can still go there and take these classes and it's, it's amazing. But every Friday night during the summer, they would have a concert series and it was in this, this stage was a big barn that had a stage on one end and the whole 
sides of the barn had these big doors that would open. So in the middle of the summer, uh, you know, it would be, it would be hot and humid, but outside you'd have the, the frogs and the fireflies and everything. It was just the most beautiful, picturesque place. And I remember going to a concert there once, and I think it was the first time I went there. It was the Lone Mountain Band. And so this group, uh, it was a group of four. So there was uh, a upright bass, acoustic guitar, banjo, and then a mandolin slash fiddle player. Uh, all four of them sang and harmonized at the same time. And it was just such good bluegrass music. They were so talented and so uh, just excellent. They were so good at their instruments and the, the harmonies were beautiful. They were just really great. And they sang uh, some common fiddle tunes, but they also had some songs they wrote themselves. And I think that combined with this amazing setting of being in a barn with the, with the fireflies and the Blue Ridge mountains behind me and everything, it was just like the most perfect, beautiful folk music experience. I loved it so much. And, uh, about 10 years after I had moved back, uh, I actually got a chance to go visit and Stephanie came with me and it just so happened the weekend we were there, they were playing at the folk school again. So we got to go see them again and it was really cool. I don't think it gets any better than that. I mean, I know it's it's it was just incredible. It was I loved it so much. It's it's a that's a treasured memory. I love that so much. That's when you know the stars are aligned perfectly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, the other two bands I wanted to mention, though, that we definitely will have some of their music on on the playlist uh, that people have probably heard of uh, is Old Crow Medicine Show, which is a, a great Americana string band. They're based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and their most famous uh, or their their most popular song was Wagon Wheel, which I know has become really popular, and some other lots of other people have covered it. Uh, I think Darius Rucker even did a, a a great country cover of the song that charted really well. But they play a lot of cool bluegrass Americana music. Music and fiddle tunes and original songs, but yeah, Wagon Wheel is their most their most famous song. And then, of course, we've talked about them before, but I cannot pass up mentioning Nickel Creek. Uh, mm-hmm. Nickel Creek, I think, is probably one of those ones that is is maybe more accessible to people because of they because they've had some popular songs and have have appeared in some you know other mainstream media and stuff. But uh, yeah, of course, Nickel Creek is the uh, trio of Chris Teeley on mandolin and siblings Sarah Watkins and Sean Watkins on fiddle and guitar, respectively. Uh, the band formed in 1989 when they were all like five years old. <laughs> they've been playing together ever since. Their first self-titled album uh, went platinum. It was produced by Alison Krauss and earned a number of number of Grammy and CMA nom- nominations. Um, they're still going strong. They just released another new album that I have not even had a chance to listen to. I was doing research for the podcast tonight uh, and I realized there was a whole new album I haven't listened to yet, so I got to get on that. <laughs> but they're incredible. They're All three of them are just amazing at, at their instruments and great vocals. All three of them sing lead on different songs. Their harmonies are amazing. They do play a few kind of traditional fiddle songs or, or, or uh, folk songs songs, but they mostly do original compositions and they do some fun stuff with their music too. Like a lot of traditional folk music does tend to be simple chords, simple progressions and stuff because it's all about the storytelling. But one thing Nickel Creek likes to do because they are all kind of, uh, so proficient at their instruments, they do interesting ones. Like I think one of the ones I'll put on the playlist is a song called, uh, uh, Oh, shoot. What's what the name of it? Tom Bombadil. Hold on. Let me... In the House of Tom Bombadil. That's the name of it. Which, of course, I love because I love all things Tolkien. But the the main <laughs> melody of the song is in 7-4 time, which is not common <laughs> in bluegrass music. <laughs> you know, they get, they do some fun stuff like that. And uh, I know, like, Chris Teeley will use an octave mandolin, a bazooki uh, on some of the tracks, which is basically a big mandolin. But 
I just, I love Nickel Creek. I can't say enough good about them. They're really good. And not to be confused with Nickelback. That's the opposite. Oh, no. <laughs> That's, do oh, not. Oh. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I like Nickel Creek. There. People are like, oh, you, you sure you should admit that? I'm like, no, no, Nickel Creek, not Nickelback. <laughs> Don't mix them up. <laughs> well, our family trip to uh, Nickel Creek's concert up at Park City was still just a magical moment for our family. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and that first al- is the first album. Did they cover the Fox? Yes, that oh, was the from Fox their first album. album. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on that. Again, it was sort of a folk song covered by folk uh, trios, and then uh, and then here comes Nickel Creek putting it at a whole new level. It was just amazing. And that's a song that is their their version of it is so great, but it's also again a simple folk song. And so that's one that I I've played in a couple of different uh, bluegrass bands, and that's one that all of my bands have covered. Is is the Fox? It's a great little song, and it's a it's a fun one. Which I also will say, quick shout out to my favorite one of my favorite band names ever that we came up with, which was a band I was in called the Trailer Park Heroes. <laughs> that was a fun band. That was good. That was a a good bluegrass group. Oh, the demise of that band was. Came much too early. I know. Oh, I honestly believe, uh, I don't know, that that would have been so sensational to be able to keep going. And uh, I don't know if you remember, I was willing to pay, I wanted to pay for you to go back to North Carolina and to the Campbell School. <laughs> Uh, oh, that would have been and, incredible uh, to perform there with those guys. And just, well, and, and learn and perform and mix it up, right? You know, just, it'd been yeah. great. And uh, your mom's like, uh-uh, you're going to college. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those hard things because that was a band I was in when I was in college. But of course, like, right. you know, all of us were studying different things and doing different things. And so even though the band was was so much fun to play with and really a lot of talented people, you know, everybody was going their different directions. And so while it lasted, it was a a lot of fun. I, I do. I do miss that one. That's. I've played in a bunch of different bands, and some I miss, some I don't. <laughs> but that's one. That's one that I definitely miss playing with those guys. That was a. That was a fun group. Very good. But I think those are my. Those are my main folk uh, music guys that I wanted to share. And uh, like I said, I'll. I'll get some of their music up on the playlist. And and uh, Dad, remind me. I need to. As I'm listening back, I'm going to jot these down. But if you have specific songs that you want to have put on the the Spotify playlist, uh, you know, jot them down. And text them to me or something or send me a YouTube link and we'll, we'll make sure we get them on the list. Okay, absolutely. Well, my folk list, I mean, both of my lists, I could have just kept going and going, but uh, my top favorite folk artist is Bob Dylan. I know, <laughs> I got to be careful here, uh, my <laughs> oldest son is a Beatles maniac and, uh, and I've supported him and I love Paul McCartney. I love following him even today, and uh, I send Nolan all kinds of Paul McCartney stuff. But to me, Bob Dylan was the ultimate songwriter. And uh, what's interesting is that I loved his songs before I knew he even existed. He he was writing songs like Blowing in the Wind. That was a huge number one Peter, Paul, and Mary hit. Uh, also, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. Peter, Paul, and Mary, by the way, that is the most perfect number one breakup song of all time. <laughs> uh, your granddad actually wanted you, with your voice and Shannon, to, to cover that song when we were all getting together for our 75th, and of course, passed away just short of that. Mm. Uh, Forever Young, uh, Make You Feel My Love, made famous by uh, Adele, and... Uh, Garth Brooks, 
is a Bob Dylan song. I don't think and I knew then, that. That's pretty cool. Wow. And uh, and he had a lot of hits in the '60s, like "It Ain't Me, Babe," but it was cut, it was the hit was made by a group called the Turtles. And you actually saw one of his songs performed by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, "You Ain't Going Nowhere." Uh, mm. Wagon Wheel is a Bob Dylan song that he never finished. And it was Old Crow Medicine Show who asked them, hey, can we record this and finish it off? And he's like, heck yeah, go That's for it. That's right. I forgot. I, I read that in the in the, the research for today. I forgot about that. That's that's true, yeah. So, uh, and then I realized it's Bob Dylan, and I started listening to him. I'm uh, My ears bled. He sang awful. He was just... <laughs> But then I learned he actually was doing that on purpose because he was so uh, true to the folk music way of life, uh, you know, groundswell. Uh, you know, he actually ended up singing a few songs, and he's carrying a tune pretty darn good. But even in concerts, I guess he would change the melody around and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 don't do this. Uh, but... Uh, but what he's contributed to uh, the American landscape in music is just, I, I just don't think it's matched. It's just phenomenal. And then right on his heels, a guy that Bob Dylan really loved is Gordon Lightfoot. He's a Canadian. And he had songs like, If You Could Read My Mind, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, Early Morning Rain, Beautiful. Just, I hope people just look up these songs and play them. And they were all songs when he wrote them and recorded them. Record companies didn't really want to play them because they just didn't fit. They just didn't fit into any radio mold, mold. But here he comes along, and when they're played, they're huge hits. And to me, folk music has such a poetic connection to real life. And, and both of these uh, men could just really do it. And then I grew up on Peter, Paul, and Mary, who covered so many of these songs and turned them into huge hits. Their harmonies were just amazing. I know you had a show one time about favorite female vocalists. Mary Travers from Peter, Paul, and Mary would have been on my list. Uh, if you get a chance, just, just pull them up and... and uh, they took turns covering, being lead vocals, and then they sang a, a song that I just loved, Leaving on a Jet Plane. And then when I cut older, I discovered John Denver, right? Rocky Mountain. Oh, right, yeah. Hi. And then I later learned he had written several hits that were covered by the folk singers. Uh, I, I mentioned the Kingston Trio. Again, I, I just invite anyone to listen to their songs and uh, the they're just so connecting. And I'll just mention a couple more. Harry Chapin, he died in a car crash way too early. Again, he couldn't be, producers had a hard time fitting him into a category. But once he broke through, he just, everybody loved his music. I'm a, I would like to add that all of this music connected we, me with my dad and trying to play music very well. He, he loved this, but Harry Chapin's most famous song, I remember hearing it and just crying. It was called Cats in the Cradle. And I believe everybody, everybody should have Cats in the Cradle in their playlist. You know, a lot of us have sad songs. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in there. It belongs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then he had Taxi and Morning 
uh, sunshine. Just anyway. And then two more real quick. Uh, these were just 60s and 70s staples for me over the radio, record buying, and Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, yes. Uh, again, boy, such a, uh, connecting songs. Uh, you know, their most famous bridge over troubled water. Again, got to be on everyone's playlist. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, just get their greatest hits album. Just it's just so powerful, and uh, and the fun thing about folk songs is they're not afraid to talk about off limit subjects. Yet they can sing it in a manner that is really connecting. You know, yeah. uh, like back back to the Kingston Trio and Tom Dooley. I just learned today that it was based on a real guy named Tom something or other, and and. What he did was covered in news uh, around the world uh, in newspapers. So anyway, but Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Teach Your Children. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what a song. What a song. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and uh, so that's my list of folk artists. I mean, I, boy, there were just so many I left off that uh, I could have easily have inserted in there. I'm amazed. I was amazed because I had forgotten how many folk singers I still have in my uh, online library of songs, my iTunes songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just goes on and on. Uh, and so I decided after the podcast, <laughs> recording this podcast, I'm going to go uh, create my folk song <laughs> playlist <laughs> and uh, put it in there. Uh, that sounds good to me. We'll just add, add, add a handful more. I, I had on my honorable mentions of Woody Guthrie. Oh, yeah. Roger Miller. Um, and then as specifically a song, but but from uh, Jimmy Rogers, the Waiting for a Train. That's yes. a song. Well, you, you mentioned about, you know, songs that can kind of, they don't pull any punches with, with folk music. And, you know, sometimes the country can be a little more, uh, I don't know, it, it feels a little more real sometimes because it's about real life. And especially when you go back to some of these folk songs that, you know, have close ties to the blues and early, early folk music going through times like the depression and uh, war times and being down on your luck. And they, 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 they have a way of, of kind of reaching uh, part of you that, that really communicates like a human emotion, you know, it's not, it's not just all frilly and, and formulaic and, and, you know, the way, the way some, some music can be nowadays, like it's, there's, there's a, there's a realness to it that I think is really, I don't refreshing is not the right word because some of these songs, like, like you said, are very sad, but there's the, the realness. I feel like there's a connection there that can happen. So. Yeah. There's a genuineness, right? Yeah. And I, I definitely, I have such fond memories of, of me and you and granddad playing, playing guitar. And I think I probably had a mandolin at one point point in there sitting around and playing waiting for a train and you know granddad yodeling and uh, all of that and it just was yes. it was such a good time it's such a great memory but it's kind of funny to put it in context because it's such a sad song <laughs> we're just like sitting around playing and having a good time and <laughs> yeah so my my granddad i i remember him singing it my dad would uh play the guitar and then both my grandma thelma and and granddad would harmonize with my granddad uh, singing lead. But when I knew him, he my granddad seemed old. He just, you know, he worked out in the fields his whole life. And so it was just when he sang it, there it had such meaning. And I thought it was just because he was old. But I later learned from granddad, I don't know if you remember this, Aaron, uh, your granddad, my dad, that 
my granddad, I got too many granddads going on here, <laughs> actually did ride the, the rails. And when he uh, wanted to get to California, he rode the rails from North Carolina out to Oklahoma, where he spent time there. But everything that's sung on that song, my granddad lived, uh, basically. And you know how we? I still have a little bit of land in Oklahoma where I receive a check for oil production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that all started with my granddad being out, and and it was it was red dirt, nothing. So no one was thinking oil or anything at the time. And so anyway, and then then he gets off the rails, if you will, in Arizona, and a family comes up to him and uh, says, you know, if you come work for me, you know, I'll make sure you're well taken care of. And he did that. And and I think uh, I'm going to get the story wrong, so I'll just say that that's how my grandma Thelma met my granddad was through working uh, that way. And then again, finally on out to California. But uh, he rode the rails. So what a great yeah. song. What well, a great and song. listen to these lyrics. That's exactly the story you said. The lyrics of the song are, All around the water tanks, waiting for a train, a thousand miles away from home, sleeping in the rain. I walked up to a brakeman to give him a line of talk. He said, if you've got money, I'll see that you don't walk. I haven't got a nickel, not a penny can I show. Get off, get off, you railroad bum. And he slammed the boxcar door. <laughs> he put yodley, me up. Yodley, yodley. Yodley, yodley. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Fantastic. Granddad was always better yodeler than, than I was. but. <laughs> well, he, he just could sing, couldn't he? Oh, yes, boy. What a voice, yeah. So, yeah, so that's... Uh, that, that's great. I mean, those those are fantastic uh, mentions. What else do you have? Um, I mean, starting to blur the lines, uh, but I, I feel like we would do everyone a disservice to talk about country music, Western music, and folk music, and not mention Dolly Parton. Right. But she is one who, of course, has done a lot of mainstream country music and whatnot, but her early days was all in folk music. She credits her, her mother with her love of music, but she was born and grew up in a one-room cabin. She was born in 1946, and in, it, yeah, according to Wikipedia, it says uh, she was born, born in, on January 19th, 1946, in a one-room cabin on the banks of Little Pigeon River in Pittman Center, Tennessee. Uh, yeah. She lived there for a long time. Her her dad worked on the farms, and it was a tobacco farm, and uh, did construction work, and he was, he was completely illiterate, but he knew how to make and save money, and Dolly always said that she uh, credited him with her, her sense of business and her, her success with, with being a business person. And then her mom, who cared for their large family, there were 12 of the kids. Uh, in fact, she one of the pregnancies was twins, and so she was a mother of 12 by age 35 which is in a one room cabin, which I is just incredible to me. But Dolly talks about how uh, her mom managed to keep the house and entertain the children with Smoky Mountain folklore and ancient ballads. She had Welsh ancestors and knew many old ballads that immigrants from the British Isles brought to the Southern Appalachia in the 18th and 19th century. And she credits her mom with her love of music. And so then, of course, you know, Dolly has so much of that influence in all of her music. There's so much of the storytelling and the the realness of these stories, even, you know, some incredibly sad songs. As much as I love Jolene, that's a great song. 
boy, it's a sad song. Like, yeah. so, actually listen to the lyrics. You're like, ooh, man, this is rough. Based on a true story. Did you know that? It, yes, I did know that. It's crazy. But so, yeah, so wow. that's, I, I just think, you know, she she's, of course, one of the greats all time of, of country and folk music and whatnot. But uh, I love hearing the story of how, where she came from and those influences and how that really shaped her as a musician and as a singer and as a songwriter. And uh, it just, it's, that's pretty cool to me, but that's, that's where my list starts, starts uh, kind of morphing into more modern uh, mainstream country as we would call it. But do you have, do you have others you want to talk about dad of, of more of the folk side of things? Well, to comment on Dolly Parton, she is a, just an American treasure. And uh, again, I, I believe I don't have it in front of me, but she has written so many songs that she herself has made a hit, but others have taken those songs and turned them into mega hits. You know, Whitney Houston's, and I'll always love you, you know? Yeah, I Will Always Love You is written by Dolly, yeah. And there, there's many more. And even in her 70s now, she's just not slowing down a bit. Wikipedia says she's written over 3,000 songs, which is impressive, to say the least. <laughs> and let me just say, she covers... Uh, just about every genre and topic you can think of in these songs. It's not like, uh, you know, just protest songs or love songs or romantic songs or, uh, you know, country ballads. You know, she just has written everything and just remarkable. Absolutely stunning. And such and such an accomplished woman as well. She's had fifty Grammy nominations and won eleven of them, including a Lifetime Achievement Award. She actually is one of a very few amount of people who've been nominated for an Academy Award, a Grammy Award, Tony Award, and Emmy Award. Uh, she hasn't actually won the EGOT, but she's been nominated for all of them, and that's close enough, if you ask me. Oh my <laughs> it's goodness! It's a very small group of people who can claim that, and she is that's she it. is a very talented woman. And of course, beyond even just her music, all of her Dollywood theme park and and dinner theaters and whatnot, the Dolly Parton Stampede and all of those things that she works on. And of course, she uh, has her Dollywood Foundation, uh, which manage, manages a number of projects, including uh, uh, one of her nearest and dearest ones is a, a foundation that brings education and poverty relief to Eastern Tennessee, which is where she grew up. She would be definitely on uh, my short list of people I'd love to meet and shake hands and thank. Yeah, for sure. So the rest of my uh, list, I did put it in the country category, but again, the the back and forth crossover uh, with country and uh, folk is, is... So in my younger days, folk music was clearly folk music. It just had the look and sound that was unique to folk music. By the time I got in junior high and beyond, it was uh, country and folk were blending quite a bit. So, yeah. Anyway, so uh, do you want to talk country? Sure, let's talk country. So, the yeah, the rest of the people on my list, uh, or most of the rest of the people on my list, are people that you would, if you turned on a country radio station today, the sort of music you would hear. Which in LA, it's one hundred five point one. It's one of the one of the pre-programmed channels in my car. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and again, because, you know, if I'm driving to work by myself, you know, I don't have to put everyone through else through my, my love of country if they're not into it. So it's, it's for me in the car by myself. But one of my favorites for sure is the Eli Young band. Eli Young is not one person. That's two people. It's like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That's not someone named Crosby, Stills. It's two people. <laughs> Eli Young band, uh, was a, a band that I think I, I might've mentioned them before. Actually, there was a 
maybe from one of our love song episodes. There's a song of theirs that is great that I might have brought up. But anyway, so the two the two founding members are Mike Eli, who sings lead vocals and plays guitar, and James Young, who plays guitar. They met when they were at the University of North Texas as roommates their freshman year. They started playing together and writing music and uh, eventually added John Jones on bass and Chris Thompson on drums. Their biggest hit that was on the radio all the time was Crazy Girl. Uh, they also had uh, a couple of hits, Even If It Breaks Your Heart, which is one of my favorite songs ever. I love that song. That's such a good song. Uh, Drunk Last Night, Love Ain't. There are They have so many great songs, and I love the, the sound they have. They definitely feel like a modern country band, right? Like electric guitars. It, it's, it's definitely kind of that hybrid of like rock with the folk influence, which turns it into country. Another one of the, the people that I know I've talked about before on our female vocalist episode, but that was like, what, at least 50 episodes ago, so I'm going to talk again, <laughs> is Casey Musgraves, who is probably my other favorite uh, of, the, of the modern uh, country singers. And Casey Musgraves' music definitely has kind of the country pop influence to it. There's a lot, there's a lot of, especially her latest albums. Her first two albums are maybe a little more folk, folk country and her most recent one is a little more pop country but still she just has this beautiful voice and again this great storytelling quality of these the songs that she sings her song rainbow was everywhere for a while and again just a beautiful song telling this story and and that's one that kind of hit me close to home too because having uh, a mom and a grandma that were worriers and the song is all about like look up like the sun is shining like put away your umbrella the rain the rain has stopped even though you're looking down and you're and you're worried about the storm the storm has passed there's a rainbow and it's i i something about that kind of touched me <laughs> in a, in a way that i don't know touched touched something emotionally in me but yeah Casey Musgraves is definitely my one of the other ones that's on the the top of my list and then the third that I have to mention that is maybe so uh so Casey Musgraves maybe a little more the the folk and country. Eli Young is more of the rock country. And then this guy who is a lot more of like the blues and country, who also just like every song of his is amazing, is Chris Stapleton. He actually is even more accomplished as a songwriter than he is even as a solo artist, which is saying something because he he is an incredible singer and an incredible musician and has some some great great songs out there. But I was reading on Wikipedia, uh, Chris Stapleton has co-written six number one country songs. Songs, including with Kenny Chesney, Josh Turner, George Strait, and Luke Bryan. He's also appeared on many other artists' albums, including Adele, Kelly Clarkson, Brad Paisley, Dirks Bentley, Taylor Swift. He's co-written songs with Vince Gill, Peter Frampton, Sheryl Crow, Ed Sheeran, and more. So I know he's performed live with John Mayer in the past. Like, this guy, he is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I am so impressed with the tone that he has. He has such a soulful, kind of bluesy tone of the guitar playing and his voice is great and anyway if i if i had to pick my my three favorites of modern country it would have to be those three those are good ones no uh no doubt about that i mean back to casey i mean that rainbow song yeah i, I remember tearing up when i think it was you that introduced it to me for the very same reasons i just think of an eternal soulmate that i just want to bring great happiness to but sometimes it's been a difficult thing to do and uh, and she was able to put my thoughts I've had for many many years into a very beautiful and 
poetic song that's just amazing. And then Chris, of course, yeah, that voice is, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, how come some people just get, get that voice like that? I know. <laughs> it's true. Boy, he, everything, every time he opens his mouth. And Casey as well. Yeah, both of them. I just, I could listen to either of them all day. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And I figured you had covered the more uh, contemporary artists. So my list is kind of a... <laughs> Mostly a throwback to the old uh, country and western type days where there, even though there was a lot of crossover, uh, Elvis, my number one favorite, uh, he he just was dynamic at crossing over between country and, and rock and roll. I was going to bring up Kenny Chesney. If you want to hear a sad song, Aaron, <laughs> sure will remind you about your papa. It's called... While he still knows who I am. Hmm. I haven't been a huge fan of Kenny Chesney's, but this song is just uh, beyond piercing your heart. It's just a fabulous song. So I'll take a listen. I'll keep the Kleenex close, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here goes my list. The very first artist on the list uh, is going to get a lot of blowback. <laughs> <laughs> I have my number one favorite country artist is the Eagles. You know, I'm glad that you said that because I was starting to make my playlist ahead of time just to save myself some time. And I absolutely put a few Eagles songs on there. I know when you look up on Wikipedia or whatever, you look them up and they always say it's a rock band. And yes, they're a rock band. But man, take it easy, peaceful, easy feeling. Like, come on. Those are those are country songs through and through. Right. Keep going. Lion Eyes, New Kid on the Block. Yeah. Desperado, Tequila Sunrise. Yes. Best of My Love. I mean, uh, there actually was a, a huge country album done. This is after the Eagles had split and the country guys, country people got together and a lot of artists, a lot of big time artists for the day put together. It's called Common Threads and it's nothing but Eagles songs. And uh, the, <laughs> the, their influence on today's modern country singers is deep and far. So. I, I've got him up there. I'm glad. I'm glad you did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how much I love the Eagles. To me, they've had the best rock song, the best pop song, and the best country song ever recorded. <laughs> so there you go. There you go, yeah. <laughs> they covered it all. So, uh, But next on my list is Merle Haggard. Grew up listening to him. Wrote his songs. He was known uh, as the American Troubadour. And again, just a deep sense of writing so many sad songs about <laughs> situations, uh, working man blues. If we make it through December, put it on your holiday Christmas list and then cry when it comes on. <laughs> <laughs> Mama's Hungry Eyes. Oh, my goodness. Big City. I mean, it goes, it, again, it just goes on and on and covered by so many other country artists. Uh, and everybody wanted to sing duets with him. And in his prime, he had, again, we talked about Chris Stapleton, Merle Haggard had just one of the greatest, smoothest voices you could ever listen to as he, uh, you know, it was like butter melting as it, it was breaking your heart with the song. <laughs> so I, I put him on the list. Uh, and then Hank Williams, not Hank Williams Jr., but Hank Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, what a catalog. Uh, you talked about Nickel Creek when we went to see him in concert. They uh, covered one of his songs. I think it was uh, 
move it on over and uh, best cover I had ever heard of it. <laughs> and I have looked for somewhere that uh, them having it available for download and it's never, never appeared. Oh man. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm so lonesome I could cry. I mean, goodness, says it right in the song. You know? That's right, yeah. And uh, just again, I just encourage anyone who's not familiar, just pull up his catalog and uh, just amazing songs. And just, again, I, I it blurs. He could have been on the folk list, but he certainly was a legendary, he created a legendary sound that became uniquely country and western. So anyway, Roger Miller, you mentioned him earlier. He won all kinds of Emmys, you know, sold so many records, and critics kept calling him uh, a gimmick artist or a novelty artist because of his play on words. But I just challenge anyone to listen to his songs considered novelty by the so-called experts. There's deep meaning in these songs. He just put a, a, a lively twist to him. And I think a great example is actually a Disney song, for which I think he won uh, Oscar for. Roger Miller was the rooster who sang the songs and helped carry the story throughout Walt Disney's Robin Hood. And his song about Not in Nottingham is so powerful, yet it it's lyrically so entertaining. But the message in it is is real and deep. Yeah. And he had lots of songs this way. You know, he had one called Dang Me. It's like, dang me, dang me, you ought to take a rope and hang me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's about mistakes. And, and, you know, it's just, it's very connecting and very real. And uh, when we were moving Sean to uh, Dallas, Texas, we were going through Oklahoma. And we saw an exit for Eric Oklahoma, and that's where Roger Miller was raised, even though he was born in Texas. And you go there, the town is so small, it had one traffic light, <laughs> and that crisscrossed the middle of town, a half a block, any direction, and you were out of town already. And dab in the middle of town is a Roger Miller museum. <laughs> and we got there 15 minutes late, it was closed. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh no. Uh, anyway, so again, I just challenge people to listen. And uh, again, a lot of songs that are even recorded today and becoming hits are Roger Miller written songs. Well, and and his lyrical ability was so impressive. Like, I, I even if if somebody wanted to call it a, a gimmick, like I would push back and be like, well, it's hard to do. Like, I'm even pulling up the lyrics of Oodalali, which is such mm-hmm. a simple, seemingly simple song from Robin Hood. Just like the the way he rhymes individual words within a phrase, like reminisce and this and that and having such a good time. Like it sounds so simple, but the the rhyme within the line of reminisce and this and that, like putting that together and never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse, you know, like, and, and just the way that the stuff hits on the beat, the contemplating nothing but escape and finally making it. That is not easy to do. That is really like masterful lyric writing. Like that's so impressive. And, and so, yeah, it, that is kind of weird that people would be like, oh, it's kind of gimmicky. It's like, well, how about you try it then, man? Come on. That, this is really impressive songwriting. Well, that's my comeback. No one else was doing it. And uh, a few people have tried since, but none have risen to the level 
that Roger Miller did, you know, and he won a Tony Award for the Broadway musical Big River. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. And again, when you listen to the lyrics, they are so entertaining and but they're also mind boggling and you know, uh Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer and all there was some serious stuff happening back then, right? Yeah. yeah. And he incorporated it into the Broadway musical Big River and my goodness, so great. And again, today's country artists like uh, Alan Jackson, Tall Tall Trees took it to number one, Husbands and Wives by Brooks and Dunn. Oh, again, you want another just crazy serious song about difficult marriages. It's just, it's, it's, he's, uh, he, he's actually kind of a hero to me because I chose, a, a, you know, being an advertising man and having to write advertising copy and come up with graphic design to go with it. I mean, what Roger Miller did lyrically is just like uh, one phrase, just what you shared, Aaron shows so much, tells so much of a story, you know, it's just it's yeah. crazy. Uh, and then uh, Willie Nelson, uh, my folks loved Willie Nelson before he became the redheaded stranger with the long hair and the marijuana <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everything else. Uh, you know, he had short hair and he, you know, his album covers, you got to look him up. <laughs> He's got a tie in, in a suit, you know. But, <laughs> Very opposite of now. <laughs> right. But again, his song, you know, I didn't get into him the way my parents were listening to him. But then Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain came out about the time I was heading to college. And again, the, such a good fat song. And yeah, I mean, with my buddies, we were all listening to Boston and More Eagles and things like that. But my goodness. His songwriting, and he, you know, Aaron, you probably know more about this than I do, but he has the same guitar with holes in it that's being he held together. I think he's called his guitar Trigger, <laughs> and he's created such a unique guitar playing sound. Uh, and it's just he, he's just a masterful guy, you know. That uh, now I just love listening to him. Yeah, I remember I watched the video actually about his guitar and there was a luthier that was actually doing some work on it. And he's done work for all the biggest names in the industry. He's like one of these expert guitar luthier uh, guys. And he said he just was sweating bullets when he first got this guitar and was like, I have to work on this. Like, I cannot mess this up because this guitar is so unique and has so much of the tone of what he does. Like beyond the, the regular sound hole, just from the, the strumming, I don't know if it's with his, his fingers or a pick or maybe both over the years has worn a second hole in the top of the guitar go if you go look up a picture of willie nelson's guitar it's, it's a very famous one you can see like it looks like it's broken it looks like it's about to just fall apart and uh <laughs> just remember feeling so sorry for this loot and of course you know he knew what he was doing and he did a great job but he just talked about how scared he was he's like i i cannot mess this up <laughs> working on this guitar and it's not a typical guitar that a country western or folk or you know, uh, anybody you would generally play, you know, it's almost yeah. a, in the classical sense Yeah, that would be Spanish type music. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun with Willie Nelson and just really enjoy the guy. Johnny Cash has got to be there. Uh, I could have put Johnny a little bit into the folk. He married into the Carter family, which is maybe, uh, 
one of the most famous families in early country western hillbilly music, the Carter family. He did again, he has a knack of singing a song. I mean, even I don't know how they play it, where you know, if it's a train song, it sounds like a train and there's no overdubbing. That's just done with uh, a guitar and, and, you know, four guys on stage. It's just pretty, pretty something to watch. And he's one of a kind, right? You know Johnny Cash when you hear Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he, you know, a lot of these artists, Hank Williams, Roger Miller, a little bit of Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash, you know, they they kind of lived what they sang and it exposed a pretty tough life. Some of it self-created, some of it uh, their upbringing, right? But, oh, my goodness, something else. And uh, so, anyway, uh, I have on here the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have that as an honorable mention for sure. They broke into the scene in the early 70s, and their songs sounded very much like early 60s semi-folk songs that were getting airplay. And then uh, all of a sudden, they got a hold of Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> what a massive song, massive hit written by uh, Jerry Jeff Walker. And uh, with that, they became a real country music staple. They have three albums that they put out that, again, I just suggest anyone who's into country music needs to listen to them. Will the Circle Be Unbroken? It's a famous Carter family song. You know, it's basically a hymn. And the first volume, very great. But what they do is they just bring in all of these classic old-timers and some current artists to sing these songs, and they are amazing. Volume two, I just love. I own it. I play it often. Uh, Gary and I used to play it on an (laughs) eight-track driving around. And his cattle truck in Burley, Idaho. So it all fit <laughs> I love so it. well together. And and then they did another volume. And uh, but uh, and by the way, Aaron, I think I might have already mentioned this, but they covered and uh, made a big hit out of "You Ain't Going Nowhere," a Bob Dylan song. So again, a uh, little bit of mix between everyone. I added three others. I love them. I guess uh, there. My list is so long. I don't know if you'd call them honorable mentions. But they're too good to kind of be in that category. One is Glenn Campbell. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, he could sing up a storm, and so my dad really latched on to him. And then you hear later that he played with the Beach Boys. He played session with uh, what's the famous session band? Uh, he was part of that. He was so good on instruments of all kinds, including and especially the guitar. And, uh, you know, and I kind of took him for granted until I got older. And then I, again, the, the power and uh, by the time I get to Phoenix, you know, I guess when you're a kid, you never pay attention and think, oh, my goodness, this is sad. You just think, oh, that's got, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a groovy song, you know. Yeah. And then <laughs> you get older and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is sad going on right here. Stop them. Turn back. You know? <laughs> So, you know, and uh, anyway, yeah, he uh, just a fantastic artist all the way around. Mary Chapin Carpenter. I almost put her in the folk. But again, she just has this soothing, soothing voice that is reassuring. It just reassures you when she sings songs. 
And uh, again, in the folk tradition, she could cover some sensitive topics in her songs and still make them enjoyable and worth listening to. And then uh, my final one, he kind of has done the reverse of everything I love about country music. He actually created a fresh new California style Bakersfield sound where he was so influenced by Buck Owens, who could have easily been on my list, and uh, others, and just blew it up into a completely new rockabilly sound, and that's Dwight Yoakam. Oh, yes. I definitely remember listening to Dwight Yoakam when we were when we were kids. <laughs> well, like I said, the aforementioned doing chores and having the, the music cranked up. There was definitely Dwight Yoakam going on. <laughs> yes. And uh, again, your poor mom, she had to endure it, but with her kind heart, she has a dear friend who cuts your mom's hair, who their family puts on a huge country western fest every year on the deserts of Utah here. And uh, Dwight Yoakam was coming, and uh, so the friend made sure I got to go back and meet Dwight. <laughs> so and, cool. Uh, and he dresses and looks the rockabilly part, oversized cowboy hat, tight jeans. I don't have a clue how he gets them on. <laughs> I'm sure he practiced the Elvis moves at some time in his life because he's got them all down. And then he just takes new, he creates new songs like guitars, Cadillacs, hillbilly music, <laughs> and, and takes old songs like Suspicious Minds by Elvis and A Thing Called Love with uh, Queen just sets them on their side. Uh, you know, it just, he's fun. Fun is the word, you know. So uh, he does sing some sad songs. So he's true country, but what makes Dwight uh, a lot of fun? I mean, even saying the word Dwight, you know what I mean? Dwight, <laughs> it's fun. It's just fun. So his, his music's fun. His name's fun. And uh, anyway, so those those were my add-ons. Man, it's it's so funny. The more we talk about this, the more I keep remembering people. Like I, I when we were talking about folk, I I was remembering Allison Krauss, who is just phenomenal. When you were talking about uh, some of the the country and uh, singer songwriters you were growing up with, and I immediately remembered Roy Clark, who I talked about as one of my favorite yeah. guitar players. Boy, that guy! And again, some sad songs, but also some amazing guitar playing and just incredible. What a what a fun guy. Soggy Bottom Boys that did a lot of work on the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. Man, it just, I, I keep thinking of more and on the mainstream thing. I mean, yesterday I was driving somewhere and a, a Carrie Underwood song came on and I just was thinking, boy, this girl can sing. It just, it just goes on and on. So man, this, this might be, well, for a long time, our longest episode has been way back when we did our female empowering media episode. <laughs> and we, that was our longest episode, but that this, this might be, this might be longer. Just the two of us <laughs> might've gone longer than any other one. Uh -huh. so. <laughs> well, I know now that you say that Anne Murray, again, if you haven't heard Snowbird or some of her other songs, you talk about, you know, I could curl up in her arms and feel safe. You know, she has that voice. You know, when you were talking about favorite female voices, I I should have sent a list, but most of my list would have been some country singers. And uh, she was also, she's also from Canada, like with Gordon Lightfoot. So, but great uh, influence for us. The song, uh, I do want to bring up this about Roger Miller. Glenn Campbell's last album titled Adios, can you believe that? 
he sang a Roger Miller song with Vince Gill. And again, a sad song, but listen to the play on words. Am I all alone or is it only me? That's good. That's really good. <laughs> you know how online they, people will say, write a one-sentence story? There's a one-sentence story right there. Yeah. By Roger Miller. The last, uh, another one of his songs, The Last Word in Lonesome is Me. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> there, you know. Oh, I love it. Uh, anyway, I, I couldn't remember that song, but oh my goodness. So that's, I mean, we could go on. <laughs> maybe we should have narrowed <laughs> this one down more. Yeah, now I'm starting to think maybe we could have done separate topics for country and folk and singer-songwriter. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll still right. separate them someday. But either way, this is good. This is good. It's fun. It's fun talking about all these artists that, you know, I I, I have memories of listening to and some I'm currently listening to. And and it's just, it's a, it's a genre that I feel like is important to me for, for lots of different reasons. Even though I feel like on a daily basis, I'm probably listening to rock most of the time. But like, you know, the, a lot of these songs, a lot of these artists, like they, they have a, they have a place in my memory and a, and a, sometimes an important uh, memory for me. So it's nice to talk about them. Sure. I mean, another one on the list is Miranda Lambert. She can sing oh, yeah. the rock and country song in your face. Don't turn on me. <laughs> And then she can sing a heartbreaking song, The House That Built Me. If you get a chance, listen to that. With both of my parents gone, I think of them often with that song. Ted Atkins singing, I Still Can't Say Goodbye. I mean, you were right about the sad songs. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. But they immediately jump into my heart and stay there. They never go away. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, well, thank you, Aaron. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. I have no idea how to wrap this up because there's so. I know so we much could we could just keep going. We could go on for so long, but yeah, I guess I guess after all that, maybe this is a good spot to to wrap it up. So, but yeah, Dad, thank you again for for jumping in, kind of last minute, and uh, I, just the two of us. I feel like it was fun. This was a good one. So, thanks again. Well, sure. Hey, should I bring up John Mayer? I think so many of his songs are influenced by. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. I did put one John Mayer song on my playlist. There's a. It's from his. Not his latest album, the one before it, but there's a song called Roll It On Home that is definitely a country song, and it's really good. So. Yeah. <laughs> country blues, right? That's right, so, yeah. For a lot of his, his work. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks again. Oh, of course, yeah. But this is probably a good spot to wrap it up after all that. As usual, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite country slash folk slash bluegrass slash Americana. We did a way too big topic this time, uh, but let us know what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, it's probably because we missed somebody huge even with all the people we talked about. Reba. We, hadn't, we didn't even mention wow. Reba. Man. Okay. So there's there's some huge people that we have not named, and that's why you're bummed. But send us an email. Let us know what your favorites are, and we'll we'll update our playlist, and we'll add them on there, and then, then you can give us five stars. <laughs> sure. Better add a George Jones song on there That's right. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that'll do it. Until next week, my name's Aaron. And I'm his dad, Matt. <laughs> Talk to y'all later. Cue the music.
Oh, I wonder if I have time to do like a countryfied version of the theme song. Oh, that would be fun.